A rolling plume of black smoke boiled up from the north wing of Kronberg. We could see no flames from the courtyard because the fire burned on the far side of the fortress and had not yet eaten its way to the inner rooms. Torstensen put a hand on my arm and we watched without comprehending as the thick smoke rose higher. A few of the king's guests went into the castle, a few left through the great gates out into the yard. Most stood where they were, looking at the black cloud billowing upward. Is that the kitchen? someone said. Marcellus appeared and conferred with the king a moment, and then he dashed into the castle, followed by a few soldiers. My lady, King Christian said to Kirsten, I think it best you join those outside the walls, down at the drawbridge. Go, now. He pushed the queen away, and she left the castle with her guards and ladies-in-waiting. I took a step toward the gates myself, but stopped when I heard the sound. It was a cracking, a great breaking as I never heard, coming from the north wing. There was a hiss like sand poured onto parchment, and then the burning wing of the castle exploded. The blast was deafening, the air and the earth shaking against each other. My head and neck ached instantly, and for a moment I was blinded by the flash. I do not recall being knocked over, but I found myself on my back, pushed up against the bloody hulk of the dead bear. The air was full of flying brick, marble, wood, and more. I saw a piece of stone the size of a barrel fall onto Fritz Torstensen, killing him instantly. Chips of plaster, hunks of copper tile, and all sorts of scraps fell around me, maiming indiscriminately. Noblemen, their ladies, soldiers, and pages ran about or cowered. Only the king stood his ground, staring open-mouthed in the direction of the explosion, at the burning roofless wreckage that had been a minute ago a goodly portion of his impregnable fortress. "'We are under attack!' he cried. "'Assemble the guards! To arms! To arms all! My yeomen, by the cross, where is he? To me! To me! To me!' Flames began to spread across the castle roof, and the roar of the fire grew louder by the moment. I stood between the corpses of Francisco and Torstensen. All around me courtiers collided with servants and soldiers, half of them running away from the castle as the other half ran in to fight the fire and seek out the rebels who had set off the explosion. But there were no rebels, nor had there been. Here is what one of the survivors from within the castle later reported. While the king was outside butchering an old bear, Rebecca was busy inside Kronberg. She appeared in the chapel with a large jar of lamp oil, and, while loudly singing a body known to the army for its many obscene verses, Rebecca poured the oil over her father's corpse, over the chapel floor, and over her own head. The priest called for assistance, and a few soldiers ran down the hall toward the chapel. Rebecca struck the priest over the head with the empty jug. The old man staggered into the hallway, blood running over his cassock. The doors of Kronberg were all of heavy, thick oak and banded with iron, for Kronberg was a fortress, not a palace. The chapel had originally been a large, drafty storeroom, and even after it was blessed and fitted with a font, cross, and pews, it remained a chamber in an old fortress. Bibeka pushed shut the heavy doors and shot three iron bolts to lock herself in with the body of Olfelt, under the eyes of Christ and the local saints. Vibeka sang her song of whoredom and touched a candle to the lamp oil she had poured out. This was her Viking funeral in honor of her father in the belly of the Danish ship of state. Vibeka had been about ten years old when I met her, on a summer day in the Queen's Garden at the palace in Copenhagen. The garden was laid out as a series of concentric rectangles, alternately herbs and flowers, with narrow stone paths and a stone bench in the center. 
Bibeka was walking slowly between the beds, picking herbs and flowers. Her back was to me, and I observed her some time before I entered the garden and bade her good morning. "'You are sore in the tutor,' she said. "'My father has pointed you out to me. I am pleased to see you here in the garden, sir. Do accept some herbs for your chambers. Lavender is a good scent to help one sleep.' She placed the herbs in my hand and curtsied. "'I thank you, lady. This is a very pretty garden.' The Queen and I have labored over it together this whole summer, though the Queen does not allow me much freedom in the pruning or weeding. But see you, there is basil and red mint and germander and chamomile, and over here the lavender and roses, and there are daisies, and beyond are rosemary and thyme. Here, let me pick you some daisies. The Queen says they grow like weeds and have not the most beautiful scent, but they are an honest flower of friendship.'